Growing up, I felt like I wasn't good enough and that I was very lost and that I had just no one to talk to and I felt very insecure and unloved. I always hang out with my friends and I would always get jealous of them because they had a mom and dad who loved them. Just They got to see their parents every single day. When I was little, my dad left and um, my mom had to work, so I basically lived with my grandparents the whole time. My mom got remarried and my stepdad came into my life and that's when we lived together. And I felt secure and like loved again. But um, my dad, my stepdad used to, he would abuse me and I would just felt betrayed because my mom wouldn't do anything about it. I would feel like I was second best because my brother, he wouldn't get abused or like be called mean names or anything. So I moved back to my grandparents and living at my grandparents wasn't as the best either because I felt used. I just felt very alone and I felt like I wasn't good enough or anything. And then ninth grade, I was at lunch and someone came up to me and, I, and invited me to go to um, H12 at Trigolove campus. And that night when I went, I felt God's presence. I felt safe, I felt loved, and I felt secure and that I felt like I was actually a person and that was the night I accepted Christ as my savior. But I was afraid what my family would say, so I just kept it to myself and weeks later, my family found out and they criticized me. My mom called me one night and she said that I was stupid and that church is fake and God isn't real and that I don't need to be going anymore. So after the phone call, I prayed and I asked God to give me courage and to help me through this. And after that, I felt God's presence and I felt his love and his grace and his mercy, that he's there for me and he's my father and that he's will always be there for me and he will never leave me. I'm Jack Wynn and this is my story. That's so good. I, I uh, man, I love, uh, I love Jack's story and it takes a lot of bravery um, to get up here and to actually tell your story. So where's, uh, there's Jack. Jack, I'm so proud of you, man. That's awesome. Let's give Jack a hand. And I love, uh, I've, I've been able to watch Jack grow, and I've been able to see his story unfold. And the cool thing is that I've actually uh, seen a lot of you grow, and I've watched a lot of your stories unfold. And so I get to hear these stories, and I get to experience them firsthand. But the truth is, I don't, I don't think we, we tell stories enough. And uh, I think, uh, if you were to ask me, I think that part of worship is not only celebrating who God is, right, although that is absolutely a huge part of it, but it's also celebrating what God has done, and specifically what God has done in your lives. And so, uh, obviously, we get to hear Jack's story, and tonight we get to hear three other stories, specifically... Uh, that's right. That's right. We get to hear from Phoenix, Grace, and Alex. So you guys go ahead, give it up for them. And uh, I, I've, uh, man, I, I love their stories, but they tell their stories way better than I do. And so I'm going to let them uh, take it away. The first story you're going to hear is Phoenix uh, Reem's story. So I'd love if we could just give Phoenix a big hand before she starts. That's right. And so, uh, Phoenix, go ahead. Okay. Hi, I'm Phoenix. Um, I grew up in a very happy family who, like, always did things together. Um, we went to church occasionally, like, holidays, just for, like, Easter and Christmas, but I never, like, really listened. Um, both my parents were very heavy drinkers at the time, and things didn't really go so well. 
So when I was around four, my parents both split up and they got divorced and I lived with my mom and my sister and only visited my dad occasionally. And we didn't really notice much change at first because my mom and dad continued to act very much like the happy family we were before, acting like nothing changed. The only thing that was different is that we got a new house. Um, a few months went by and my mom and dad started to introduce us to other people, people that they were dating and things started to change. Um, we didn't really do things together as family anymore. Um, my mom and dad were too busy, wrapped up in their own lives to really care for Bo and I. So my dad remarried and things began to settle down a little bit. But then on my mom's side, it didn't really go so smooth. Um, my mom continued to drink and got involved with drug use. She was soon arrested for drugs and alcohol. Um, they didn't really tell Bo and I much. So um, all we knew was that my mom was really sick and she needed to get well. Her road to recovery around, wound up being around two years in prison. And Bo and I didn't really understand. We tried to like block the idea out of my mom like completely in our lives because we just thought it would be easier just to forget. Um, then one day my mom was back. She changed, she wasn't anything like she was before. I didn't even know who she was. And she, all she would tell us is how Jesus changed her life and stopped her drinking and her drug use and brought us back to her and back together. Um, then we began to go to church regularly, but church we church hopped a lot because we didn't really find one we liked. Um, one night, Bo and I um, were forced to go to age 12 at the high school, and I wanted to hate it so bad because I heard all the rumors like about it being a cult or a hangout, but um, I, after I went, I couldn't. I completely loved it, and me and my friends that I made, we like believed the same way, and we talked the same way, and I just felt so much more comfortable here. Um, then I turned about 14 or 15, and Bo and I um, decided to live with our mom. Um, I kept going to church here, and I even started coming on Sundays and every Wednesday here at Sugarloaf. And it wasn't long after that that I really started pressing in and talking to God. I remember the day I accepted Christ into my life. At Dig this year, this past year, um, um, the pastor was talking about how God truly loves us and how he always forgives us. At the time, I was struggling with forgiveness and trust issues, and I didn't really think anyone really loved me. Um, so the pastor gave us an option of standing up if we were ready to accept Christ and follow him. I just remember God pressing on my heart that moment to stand up, and so I did. Um, everyone started clapping and cheering, and I just couldn't stop smiling because I was so happy. Um, before, I'd been running with um, a group of kids that were drinking on occasion and partying, and I'd been lying to my mom about what I was doing, and I was just feeling really guilty and convicted for all those things. So I went home one night and I was just really sad and I couldn't explain to anyone and I would just cry and cry and I didn't know why. And then I just wanted something better for my life and I wanted God to help me. And it took a lot of praying and a lot of time, but he finally answered me. Um, I started making new friends at church, um, friends that led me in the right directions and friends that kept me accountable for the things I did. Um, I knew I could trust them and always count on them. Um, I could see my relationship growing with God and changing, and that's when I knew that God really loves me and that he's an awesome God. Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, Phoenix, one of the things I love about your story is how um, I'm sure there were multiple moments where you either gave up on God or it looked like God wasn't there for you. And um, it's, it's, it's cool to now kind of zoom out and see that even when maybe you thought God wasn't there, or even when you thought maybe God abandoned you, or even when it felt like nothing could get any worse, um, God was there the whole time. And he loved you, and, uh, and now uh, I've watched firsthand as 
um, as you have changed. Um, and, and I think it's always, you know, it's always easier to see people change or, or, or to watch change when you're kind of on the outside looking in, and that's how it's been for me. So for me, as I, as I zoom out and I think back to a year ago um, at DIG, I've, I've watched you grow tremendously, and I'm just so proud of you. Um, so thank you for sharing your story. Let's give it up for Phoenix. Um, next up, we have Grace. You guys give it up for Grace. Grace, tell us your story. Um, I'm Grace, and I <laughs> I grew up in a Christian home, and I had a really close family. And um, basically, we only went to church a couple times a year, and we went for big holidays like Christmas and Easter. And um, that pretty much continued until middle school, and we just kind of stopped going. And um, that's when like things really started going downhill for me. Um, I got into relationships and friendships that were hurting me emotionally and mentally, and um, and I was too like oblivious to see what they were doing to me, and um, I can I didn't really know what a friendship or a relationship was, so I just considered that oh that's how it's supposed to go. And um, over time, like just it seemed like every aspect of my life kind of was just slipping out from under me, and um, and I got to a point in my life where I just didn't care if I lived or not anymore, and um, and things just continued like that for a while. And um, as I started going to eighth grade. Um, Things got a little bit better, and um, I picked new friends, and they helped build me back up to a point where I was somewhat happy. Um, and then, like, everything that I built over those months kind of just slipped out from under me when um, I watched, almost watched my little brother, like, die right in front of me. And um, and that, like, really took a big toll on me um, during that. Like, when you sit there and at your house and you don't know if your brother's dead or alive, like, that, that really, like, hits you hard. And... Um, about a month after the whole accident, I started really questioning, like, um, something I've had to have saved him. Like, he was not supposed to be alive. And um, I always maybe thought that God maybe saved him, but I also would think God would have never put him through that. And um, so over the next months after that, I kept questioning and um, everything. And then in August of my freshman year, um, I had a good friend invite me to 12 Stone, and I really went in not really expecting much. Oh, um, yeah. And um, and I kept going because I, I liked it a lot, and um, I understood everything that was going on, but I um, I always doubted, like, if God was actually there, like, because I was talking to somebody who wasn't there. And um, then I went to an H12 service, like, a month later in that September, and um, things just kind of clicked for me, and... Um, I called Steve the following day, and I told him that I really wanted to give my life to Christ, and so I did, and just in that next month, I grew so much in my faith, and um, I was baptized the next month in the commons of my high school, and um, and just after that, I, I spent a lot of time thinking that when I got into my relationship with God, that everything was going to be okay, like it was going to be perfect, I wasn't going to struggle anymore. And so when things weren't doing that and they were, I started struggling again, I really started doubting if God was actually there. Um, I went to dig that, that year and I had, the whole theme was prayer and um, how you connected with God and how everybody kind of connected differently. And um, I had somebody who sat down with me and really told, like changed my whole sp perspective on God and everything. And, um, and so I came back and I just, tremendously grew in my faith and um, 
later that year, I felt God calling me to Haiti, so I decided to go to Haiti that summer, and um, I fell in love with it, and I made so many great relationships, and it definitely grew my faith a lot, and um, and ever since, like, I've just been growing in my faith so much, and I still doubt God a lot, and I just kind of have to remember that he took, like, a hopeless case and turned that around, and that my plan isn't always going to be the same as his plan, and his plan is always going to be superior to mine, and I just have to remember that, so, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I remember, uh, I remember that phone call, um, because, it, like, Grace seemed so, uh, just she had so many really good questions and even as she tells her story you can tell that this is not this is not a surface level thing for her she's thought about these things and um and so she brought all those questions and I'm on the phone with her and I was like man this girl has like very good questions and then as the conversation kind of progressed I was like I I, I'm not sure if she's ever said yes to Jesus but if there's ever been a student that wants to it's her and, uh, and so then I remember like asking her and I was like, like, do you want to do that? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, let's do it. And so she like accepted Christ over the phone and it was awesome. And, uh, and the thing I love about her story is her honesty. Um, her story is not my life was messed up and then I found Jesus and now I never struggle again. Um, instead her story is I have someone with me when I struggle. Like I have someone to bring my concerns my burdens to. Um, and that's so huge because I think, uh, I, I don't know if you'd be honest with yourself, but I think sometimes we think that that's the case, that it's, that it's just about like, you know, my life is going to be perfect. And then when it's not, you wonder if God's even there. All to find out that God's been there the whole time and that he's actually wanting you to bring the stuff that's going on to him. And so I just love that about your story. So thank you so much for sharing. All right, last but not least, we have Patches uh, going to be sharing. And uh, so, yeah, tell us your story. All right, before I start, let me tell you a little about myself. <laughs> I'm Alex. <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a ladies take notes, you know, like that. That's <laughs> so weird. Anyways, continue. Um, I'm Alex. I'm 15. I'm a sophomore at Peachy Ridge. I'm, <laughs> I'm an I'm a only child, and I live with my mom only. Um, I always used to go to church, but never for the right reasons, and I would just go to have a good time with my friends and never, like, even let the worship or the sermon, like, uh, give a chance to, like, pour into my heart, and that went on for a long time, um, so that had struggles in my life, especially, um, my dad, he always used to, like, uh, emotionally abuse me, um, never physically, but always emotionally because he'd be smoking and drinking, like, all day, like, just never, st uh, never stop. And it got to the point where my mom and I just, like, wondered if he was going to get off his butt and, like, actually work for money and, like, worry about our financial needs. And, like, see, it got to the point where we almost lost the house because he was just smoking and drinking all the time. Uh, finally, when I was, like, seven or eight, my parents divorced, and I primarily, like, blamed it on myself, but... More importantly, like, I blamed it on God, like, saying, like, why'd you do this to me? Like, I'm not supposed to go through this. If you say who you say you are, you say that I'm supposed to go through salvation, and this is not salvation. This is just six feet under, and I'm not having the best time of my life. And, like, the divorce, I didn't understand because I was yet still a young age. And 
that went on. And I remember my first Christmas without my dad. Um, I woke up, and Christmas is supposed to be, like, joyful and, like, happy. We're supposed to be, like, just happy, like, where we got to, like, um, like cheer for, like, our um, Jesus' birth. But this was the complete opposite. I remember I woke up, and immediately I started sobbing and, like, yelling at my mom, like, where's my dad? Why isn't he here? This is supposed to be our family time. This We are we all are supposed to be here because it's Christmas. And I remember a few hours later, my mom was in, her other, uh, in the other room, and she was just sobbing because she felt so bad for me and for what she did. Um, that that I didn't cope with the divorce until like I got into sixth grade and um, middle school and I like I adjusted to the divorce and I knew that I wasn't going to see my dad for a while but I just had to deal with it so in middle school I never like was tempted to drink or smoke because I saw the effect it had on my family so I never wanted that for my future family or my future kids or my future wife but I did, like, struggle with trying to fit in and be popular and, like, be in that crowd and, like, say, uh, like, people want to be like, oh, I want to be like Alex Pachacano. He's so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, like, so I I used to go to my friend's house all the time, and, like, I would see that they have their, uh, they have their mom and dad who love them, uh, like, so much. And I would see, like, one trait that all my friends do. And they would always be disrespectful to their parents. So I was like, okay, I'll just give it a try. I'm already at the lowest of the low, so why don't I just give it a try? So for my, like, whole middle school year, I was disrespectful to my mom, like, not even caring a word she would say to me. If she, like, told me to take out the trash, I would just, like, just keep, um, like, being on my phone or, like, doing something else just because I just wanted to disrespect her and be, like, that cool kid. And that went on until like eighth grade, and summer going into eighth grade, our uh, my old church had a big like upset, and we split, and so we had to relocate. And we got in time to Twelve Stone, back when it was in Peach Ridge, we got in time to, uh, to actually sign up for NTS. And my intentions for NTS was the same as uh, previously when I went to church. I always wanted to just have fun and, like, be be with friends and not even, like, give the pastor a chance to, like, speak into my heart. But I remember the third night of worship, Kali, this um, college sophomore, he came up to me during worship, and he said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your background is, but God has called me to pray over you. And in my head, I was just like, did he really just say that to me? <laughs> what? And I, and I agreed. I, while he was praying over me, I, I could tell God was just talking to me through him. And while he was uh, while he was praying over me, I had a flashback of like all the bad deeds I've done, like me being disrespectful to my mom, to me blaming uh, myself uh, myself for the divorce. And that night of the NTS, I accepted Christ. And the later that summer, uh, I remember I got a phone call from Steve. And he was just uh, explaining to me about baptism. And I got baptized that summer at my school. <laughs> you know, just just like her. Um, and now, like, 12 Stone's a second home to me. Like, I can talk to anyone. I can, like, not be scared to talk to anyone. I can go to um, my life group leaders and tell them anything without having any regrets. I actually met my best friend here. 
Crack a Jack, Jack Wen. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's like a brother to me, I love him to death. Um, uh, I keep him accountable for everything. Like if he acts up during school or um, church, I'll tell him. I like I'll just uh, be straight up and like be like, dude, you need to stop. And he'll do this. He'll do the same for me. And um, he has the same love for God as I do. And I saw how his story relates to mine so well. So seeing how like we lost a father and we had to co uh, cooperate with that, and then we found uh, uh, Jesus Christ. All in all, like. God has been like saying one statement to me throughout my whole life. He's saying that you don't need to worry about the struggle with uh, not having a earthly father, but because I'm here and I'm your heavenly father and I'm 10 times as loving as you, uh, as him, and I'm your heavenly father, I'm perfect, and you don't need to worry about my uh, your other father. And that's my story. That's awesome. I, uh, um, man, I want you to know that it's a, that it's a very natural thing to blame God and be angry at God, um, for what's happened in your life. Um, and I bet that all of us on stage and, and probably all of you out there, there have been moments where you've been angry with God and you've blamed God. Um, but what I love is that you, uh, even in the midst of your anger, even in the midst of your frustration, um, you brought that to God, and you found out through that that uh, that your your Father in heaven is nothing like your Father on earth. And the same is true for everyone, by the way. Even if your dad on earth is awesome, um, your heavenly Father is so much better, and He loves you so much more. Um, and I also love that. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that um, Alex and Jack are friends. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that not only are they friends, but also both of them had the boldness to share their story. And with both of them, I've seen them grow in their faith. Uh, that's not an accident. Um, when you, when you are in community with other people that love God, uh, what you find out is they encourage you to chase after God and you encourage them to chase after God. And that's exactly what we see here. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, guys, can we give them all a hand for sharing their story? It's awesome. Thank you all so much. You can give it to, give it to Zach. Um, man, I love, I love their stories. And the truth is, I know there's a lot of other stories as well. Um, stories that may never be told here on stage. Maybe even some stories that I've never heard. Um, but there's a, there's a verse to me that, that gives power to the stories that are told. Um, the verse is from Revelation, and it talks about the, uh, the fact that we have power uh, to overcome whatever you're going through. So no matter how difficult, no matter how crazy, no matter how overwhelmed you fear, uh, uh, feel, there is a power that you actually have to overcome this. And God could have said anything. He could have chosen anything, but he chose two specific things to talk about for the power that you have to overcome. The first one, he says that we have overcome by the blood of the lamb. That's the first one, which is just talking about the love of God through Jesus Christ. That because Jesus Christ died on the cross, there's power to overcome. But he says we've overcome by the blood of the lamb. And the second thing is the word of our testimonies. In other words, our stories. See, part of worship is recognizing that God has not only, he's not only good, but he is doing things in our lives. 
that God's not done. And oftentimes when we hear people's stories, we're like encouraged by them. And we're reminded about how good God is. In fact, the past four weeks, we've been kind of zooming in on the story of this one guy named David. Uh, it's, it's, it's just his story, right? And the, and, the, and the first thing that you probably know about David is what we talked about the first week, the whole David and Goliath, that there was this like giant that was nine feet, nine inches tall, and yet God, through the power of God, was able to defeat this giant. And that's a story that we tell about God's faithfulness. And then another story is from week two, David and Bathsheba, how David messed up because he didn't fight. And then week three, we learned about the story of David and Nathan, right? That someone was actually in his face, just like Alex and Jack were talking about, getting in your face to keep you on the right track. And that's a story we tell. And then last week, we talked a little bit, for some of you that were able to, to watch it online, about Psalm 23. And that's a story that we tell. And it's David's story. And so as we talk about night of worship, I think, I think honestly, David is one of the best people that we could look to, to learn about what it actually means to worship. Because I'll be honest, I, uh, um, I was standing out here with y'all and worshiping with you, and I just don't think we know how to worship. I wish we did because, man, that's a kind of a burden that's always been on me. I just don't think we know how. Um, actually, there's a, like, David, again, he's like, dude, he gets worship. He's all about worship. He wrote most of the Psalms, which are just, like, songs to God, telling God how great he is. Like, this guy knows how to worship. In fact, there's even a story of David worshiping with such intensity that, that he breaks out and dance. Like, that's how much he loves God, that he is dancing before the Lord. And then it gets better. He gets so pumped up about God that he takes off his clothes and starts dancing. It's true. It's in the Bible. He doesn't have clothes on, and he's dancing. And that's that's how he worships. Now, don't do that, okay? Or at least here. Don't do that here. You can go home in the privacy of your own room. No other H-12ers in your room, okay? Just you, and you can do that. But I think David knew what it was like to actually worship God. I think he got something that we don't get. And so, like, knowing that David's written so many psalms, I wanted to share with you a psalm that David actually wrote. And last week we talked about Psalm 23, and so in preparation for this week, I was, I was trying to look for another psalm that we could talk about, and there's, uh, there's tons, there's dozens of psalms that David has written, but God would not let Psalm 23 go. <laughs> like, as I, was, as I was looking through Scripture, God kept saying, no, 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 it's Psalm 23. No, go back to Psalm 23. No, 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 reread Psalm 23. And here's what I want you to know about Psalm 23. I, I've like recited Psalm 23 since I was a baby. Um, and then when I kind of forgot that I memorized it, Catherine and I actually memorized it together. And, and we, would, um, we would like remind each other about what's written in Psalm 23. I've probably read Psalm 23 more than I've read any other passage of scripture. And yet, it was a week ago that as I was reading Psalm 23, God reve uh, revealed something that I've never seen before. I've never noticed it. And so I want to show you what that looks like. But first, I want to take a look at Psalm 23 together. And truthfully, if we had time, uh, um, I, think, I think I could preach a sermon on every line, so I'm not going to do that. But I just want to highlight a few things, okay? This is Psalm 23 from the heart of David, a guy that actually knew how to worship. This is what he says. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Now that in and of itself, we could end there and it'd be amazing because David was a shepherd and he knew what it was like to be a shepherd. He knew all about sheep and how sheep are dumb and they wander off and they kind of do their own thing and then they get in trouble and then there's like wolves that come and attack. And he knew that the job of a shepherd was to keep the sheep safe. And that even when the, uh, when the sheep wander off, the shepherd guards them. Even when the sheep do dumb stuff, the shepherd is still there for them. And so David, right at the beginning, is saying, I'm a sheep and I've wandered off, and yet God is my shepherd. Another role of the shepherd was to make sure that the sheep were well fed. And that's why he says, I lack nothing. <laughs> if you've ever felt like you've lacked something, it's because God is not your shepherd. Now, you may lack something that you feel like you want, but when God is your shepherd, you will never lack anything that you need. And then he goes on, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And I wish I could explain to you the comfort that this verse brings. Because I like go from one thing to the next and I'm so busy and I'm always kind of just, just doing my own thing. And, and honestly, I try to do life without God a lot of times. And what I love about God is that it doesn't say he recommends that I lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say that he suggests that I lie down in green pastures. It says he makes me lie down because I need it. He says you need to lie down. And it's not lying down in brown grass. It's lying down in green pastures. It says, he leads me beside quiet waters. And then, this is my favorite, it says, he restores my soul. There is no drug, there is no medicine, there is no relationship, there is no church service, there is no song, and there is no sermon that can restore your soul. He alone can do that says he restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And we could talk about the fact that God cares way more about his name than your name because him caring about his name is actually better for you than him caring about your name. But we don't have time for that. And so then he goes on, he says, even though, and this is the, this is the verse we talked about, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how deep the valley is, Maybe the valley is like a friend of yours who's tried to commit suicide. Maybe it's your own depression. Maybe it's your parents splitting up. David knew what the darkest valley was like. And he says, even though I walk through that, I will fear no evil. And the reason is profound. It's not because the valley is no big deal. It's because you are with me. God, you are the one that's with me. He says, your rod and your staff, which is just a metaphor for God, again, being a shepherd. It says, your rod they, uh, and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That verse is amazing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine God, like, throwing a banquet, and there's all the food that you love. Like, there's food everywhere. And you're sitting at the table with God. And then God calls in all the haters. You know what I'm saying? Haters going to hate, and God's calling them all in. Everyone, everyone that's ever tweeted about you or subtweeted about you, everyone that's ever said anything about you, everyone that's ever thought anything about you, and he sits them all at the table. And then he looks at them, and he says, hey, is everyone listening? That's my son. That's my daughter. And if you want to say anything about him, or you want to say anything about her, you need to say it to me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then he goes on, says, you anoint my head with oil. 
which is weird. We wash our hair to get oil out. So I know that this is weird. Like, why am I adding oil? The reason you're adding oil is because that's what they did to kings. So it says, God, you make me like a king. My cup overflows. I'm overwhelmed by your goodness. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The psalm is rich. But there's a transition that happens in the psalm, and I don't know if you noticed it, because I never noticed it. And the transition is grammatical. See, because in this psalm, David refers to God using pronouns. And he starts off using one pronoun, and then he ends using a different pronoun. He starts off and he says, he. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then something happens, and it's the dark valley. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, not because he is with me, but because you are with me. Because it's no longer talking about God. We're talking to God. And see, when you get worship, worship moves you from he to you. We're not singing songs about God. We're not making up stories about God. We're singing songs to God. We're talking to God. We're engaging with God. And it's one thing to just know some stuff about God, but it's something totally different to experience God firsthand. And that's what happens in this psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you, God, are with me. And this is no longer about him, and it's no longer about things I've heard about you. I'm experiencing you firsthand. And it's your rod and it's your staff that comforts me. And it's you that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows because of you. And that is worship. When your heart gets that, worship should move you from he to you. From just knowing about God to actually knowing God from songs about God to songs to God. And so what would it look like if we actually sang these songs like we were singing it to God? Because see, we don't raise our hands to just high five each other. We don't raise our hands to just look good or because we've like heard some stories about God. We raise our hands because God has done something in our lives personally and you heard about it up here. God, it's you that's done something in my life. So that's how I want us to worship. Not he, but you. And so I want you to join me as we talk not about God, but as we talk to God in prayer. So God, you are what we need. And whether we're in the darkest valley, whether we just got out of the darkest valley, whether we're getting ready to go into the darkest valley, you are still with me. You are my shepherd, and it's your rod, it's your staff that comforts me. God, it is you that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's you that loves me. It's you that died for me. And God, what I want so desperately bad in this room right now is that all the students here would experience you firsthand. Because I am done talking about you. 
and I'm done hearing stories about you. I want you. That's who we want to worship. So as we sing, God, I pray, I pray, I pray that our minds would be focused on you, that it would no longer be about a God that we've heard about, but rather a God that we experience firsthand. God, I need you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what I want to invite you to do. Go ahead, stand up, and we're going to have a chance to sing to God. And we've done something. We've, we, we've put Bibles around the room. We've put Bibles around the room, opened up to Psalm 23. And for some of you, for this moment right now, you need to sing to God as we sing this song. There's some of you that maybe for the first time you need to kneel down before God. There's some of you in the room that you just need to sit and be still before God. And then I think there's some of you that maybe right now God is asking you to reread Psalm 23. Because I believe God can actually speak to you directly through Psalm 23. And so you have freedom right now. And I want you to use this freedom to actually interact one-on-one with the God of the universe who loves you. So I want you to sing. I want you to raise your hands. I want you to get excited. I want you to kneel down. I want you to read scripture and experience God firsthand. So let's worship.